Let's rock. Let's roll. I just gotta get my enthusiasm up. It's the end of an era, though. Okay. Hey, <laughs> guys. Literally talking to myself before I kick off this very important, very sad Queen Deep Dive today. It's the end of an era. Yes, it's. It's the end of Queen's first album in the 80s. And I love, I'm probably going to say this multiple times. I love that this album begins and ends, opens and closes with ballads. And they're both very aching and affecting and sweeping, passionately performed. I love that. And today, this is all Brian May's, Moody May. I love Brian's writing. His rock power ballad, our 90th Queen Deep Dive, track number 10, the closing number on Queen's eighth album, The Game. Save me. Save me, save me. I love this song, and I'm not the only one. It's gush time. It's swoon time. I love this song. Many fans of Queen call this Brian's best ballad or his best song, period. And all it takes is one listen, not even of the whole thing. You can hear the first part of this, the first verse of this. And it doesn't take any more than that for you to go, this is a genius composition. This is a beautiful song. Brian does this kind of writing so well. This was one of the first songs to be written, recorded for the album, The Game, in the time frame of June, July, 1979. And this was released as a single in early 1980, January 25th in the UK. It was also released in April of 1980 in Japan. And there are a number of surprising countries where this was also released as a single. Portugal, Poland, Canada. And this is notable for never being released in the US, which I think was a big mistake. And I want to talk about that a little bit. This song has such an emotional, captured moment of intensity that is longing and pleading and something everyone can relate to. I really don't understand why this was never released as a single in the US. And, and I dug into that a little bit. I was trying to find a reason. <laughs> I'm always trying to find reasons for things like that. And I couldn't find one. So sadly, this was never played on the airwaves, at least not in single format. That's not to say that perhaps it wasn't spun occasionally by people just because it's so great, but I think this was a missed opportunity. I think this would have been a wonderful, I think it would have done well, to say the least. It did do well in the UK. It did hit number 11. Didn't quite burst into the top 10, but number 11, very respectable and not bad. Not bad at all for the boys. We're at a very slow, soft 82 beats per minute in the time signature of 4-4. There are some rhythmic trickery, some shifts in syncopation and beats 
that do create anticipation, sort of a stutter step feel. We shift from a verse to a link to a chorus, et cetera, in a way that to some feels very natural, but if you look at it on paper, if you break it down, it's actually quite complex. So this song has a lot going on with its structure and also its instrumentation. On the game, what we've had primarily are many songs that are very stark in arrangement and presence of sound when compared to Queen's earlier work. You guys know by now how much I love bombastic, loud, over-the-top, produced-to-death Queen. I love Queen 2. I love A Day at the Races. I love the loud numbers that have way too much going on. But the game is stripped back and very rhythmically driven. I think it was Brian specifically who made that comment that they focused on the rhythms and the beats more with this album, which resulted in some of the songs being, yes, more dance, more pop, more cyclic, more accessible, more radio ready. And here, there's a lushness that I think is a throwback of sorts to earlier Queen songs. There are several that come to mind, and we'll talk about those as I get into more details here. We are in the keys of G major and a modulation to D major in the chorus, a very Brian way of moving melodically in a song. And Save Me is, it's aching. How am I going to get through this alone? Save me. I need you. Even though we're doomed, fear, sadness, desperation, loneliness. There is that transition throughout all of the lyrics of this song and also the feel of this song in general. There is a resolution about it, but I think lyrically, when you read this, it is incredibly sad. And actually, the fear, sadness, desperation, loneliness is something that I read from a fan on YouTube on the video, when I was watching the video for Save Me, that was a comment made by someone that this song brilliantly captures that transition of emotions when you've gone through something, when you've lost a relationship with someone, however that end came to be, when you go through those phases of loss and how wonderfully this song captures those emotions. This was a live favorite and it's the perfect complimentary album closer The bookend with Freddie's moving and passionate album opener, Play the Game. Save Me is one of Brian's and Queen's most heartfelt, honest, emotionally satisfying numbers. Brian goes here a lot, reflective, pensive, penitent. This is raw, reflective, revealing stuff. Tender, melancholy. These verses that are softer blossom into these full intensely desperate choruses with more rock grit, full of power chords, aching vocals. Freddie's dynamics showcase both his softness and operatic volumes. And Brian, similarly, almost in a reflection of sorts, impresses with a guitar performance that's just as diverse. In fact, Brian's performance is entirely commanding and impressive. He picks up not just electric guitar, but acoustic 12-string guitar, one of my favorite features in this track. And he plays piano and synthesizer. So just like most of the guys, when Brian writes a song, he's all in playing more instruments than his typical Red Special. But just as expressive are John and Roger, 
creating drama with lithe and intricate bass and powerful glittering drums, respectively. Classically inspired in some moments, this song is almost Baroque echoes of folk, all wrapped up in this insistent, touching, wailing power rock ballad, and one of Queen's most beautifully produced and performed numbers. Some of the songs that come to mind, In Only Seven Days, Good Old Fashioned Lover Boy, even Hints of Drowse pop out at me, and all of those songs are written by other members of the band. John, Freddie, and of course, Roger, respectively. But each one of those songs has a style, an element, an arrangement, a flourish, something special that we hear in Brian's Save Me. So not only do we touch a lot of emotions here, not only is there so much expression, instrumentation, but the styles, the performances echo things that we've heard previously that have been so well done. And just when you think they can't get any better, here we are on Save Me. Played 153 times from 79 through 82. And it was played live for the first time, well before the game's release at RDS Simmons Hall in Dublin during the crazy tour. And in earlier performances, for example, 79 Hammersmith, Brian introduces the song on piano with a solo this extended, lovely, arpeggio-painted progression. And later, 82 Milton Keynes, the band employed their keyboardist to play while Brian grinds away on guitar throughout the track. But back to the earlier performances, where Brian continues to play piano through two verses, and a lovely classical piano it is, so distinctive from Freddie's style. Right, Brian was more... Proper as a pianist, I suppose, if we're going to choose a word to describe his playing versus Freddie's more freestyle, not as trained, but very effective, very commanding performance on his piano playing. And Freddie, of course, doesn't hold his wrist right. You know, he's not in perfect form, but man, was he an excellent player. I think anybody would tell you that, not just the guys in the band. When you watch Freddie sit and play, he does a phenomenal job for not being a classically, dynamically, extraordinarily trained player. He does a remarkable job. And Brian does too. I love Brian's style. I love his classical influence. You really hear that kind of expression come out of him whenever he sits down at the keys. Freddie sounds, as the vocalist, we have so much from him. Tender, aching, genuine. Love his delivery here, especially live. He gives all the passion in the world, leaves everything on the stage. And the choruses, Roger and John crash in that gorgeous low end together. Brian and Roger join in on those save me, save me harmonies. Brian swiftly glides to guitar at the kickoff of the second chorus, which creates so much emphasis and strength on that entry of that chorus. Freddie gracefully arrives at the piano for the bridge solo section. This trade-off is a rare, glorious moment live. It showcases the boys' marvelous multi-talents. And this song shines on a stage. It's not necessarily better. I've talked before about other songs that are better. Rocket, Prime Jive, earlier track on this album is one of those songs. 
But this is just as bright on a stage. A little bit different, but just as beautiful. Brian's solo, really the whole thing. It's more polished as the years progress on stage, but it's always magical. The Buenos Aires 81 performance, Freddie's mic goes out, I think twice, but he carries on. He actually goes to the stationary microphone on the stand and he finishes singing at that microphone. What a professional. Some people would become terribly tripped up Terribly lost in a moment like that. But these guys are so great at what they do, so wrapped up, so poised and polished that without missing a beat, he just continues on. It's great. Brilliant. And the whole crowd sings the song, Buenos Aires. If you've read about those performances, if you've watched them, heard them, these people were such big fans of Queen's songs. They could sing every song in, their, in, in its entirety, word for word. In perfect English, no less. And the guys were, I think, consistently amazed by that. I would be too. Fun facts about Save Me. Brian wrote this, quote unquote, for a friend who was going through the end of a relationship, perhaps the end of a marriage. There's speculation that this friend was actually Freddie after he got out of a rocky relationship around that time. I've seen that quoted as a fact on various forums. Don't know if that's actually true. Freddie did indeed sing this passionately on stage. There were some comments about that, that this must have been a personal account for Freddie because look at his performance. But I would argue that every performance he gives us is just as enthusiastic, just as passionate. He and the rest of the guys left it all out there on stage, almost consistently across the board at every performance. You can't argue that. But apparently, Brian admitted with the BBC in 1980 that Freddie co-wrote this song with him, despite not being credited. Now, there are instances of other Queen songs where it was a collaborative effort, but not noted as such. Dragon Attack is one of those. Brian's actually said he feels guilty that the song is credited only to him because it was more of a, I put the framework together and then the rest of it came out of a possibly, probably drunken-induced <laughs> jam session. So they do happen. There are moments, especially in the 70s, 80s, where it's a group effort, but only one person's credited. I couldn't find... That interview, though, I was looking, looking, looking. I read this comment and I thought, okay, I, I want to verify this. Couldn't find it. So it is possible, yes, that Brian actually said this, that Freddie co-wrote this. So therefore, it may be possible that Freddie had more of an influence on the lyrics than first presumed. Maybe. Maybe we'll never know. This was the first Queen single to include synthesizers. And Save Me is also the name of the trust Brian helped set up in 2010 to help protect wild animals. The music video for Save Me sees Freddie mustache-free for the last time in a Queen video until his appearance in the 1984 video for I Want to Break Free in the section where he's dancing ballet. Interesting little fun fact there. The video for Save Me is gorgeous, actually. It's got animation incorporated into it. There's a dove. It's nicely done. 
Beautiful. The chord progression in this song's outro is echoed in Queen's song, No One But You, Only the Good Die Young. Also a song written by Brian, a song performed after Freddie's death. It's a wonderful song. Go listen to it. And the chorus ending lyrics in Save Me, I'm Naked and I'm Far From Home, were uttered near the end of the pilot episode of the television series Highlander, whose theme was Queen's Princess of the Universe, in case you forgot, by Christopher Lambert's character. I didn't know that, actually. I I read that fact and I was like, well, that's kind of cool. What a nice little nod to the gents you worked with (laughs) on your soundtrack, on on your film. Band critique for you. During an interview for the radio show In the Studio with Redbeard, Brian said, quote, I wrote it about a friend, someone who was going through a bad time, and I imagined myself in their shoes, kind of telling the story. Someone whose relationship is totally effed up and how sad that person was, unquote. Now, perhaps Brian is protecting Freddie in a sense. The guys were very respectful when it came to inspiration for songs. Didn't pester each other, didn't poke and prod, didn't judge. If one of the guys comes to the band and says, hey, I've got this idea, there wasn't any kind of judgment going on. A lot of respect for them because of that. And I also love that also any of them could come to the table with something and they were all in on it. Not necessarily that they all thought it was fantastic, but... They always gave everything to make it great. And I really love that about the way they worked and their friendship, etc. So perhaps Brian is still protecting Freddie's reputation somehow by saying, you know, I wrote this, I wrote it about someone who was going through something bad and something hard. Again, we can only wonder. Critics' comments. <gasps> this is Brilliant, guys. In the worst way. This is brilliant. Just, okay. NME's eloquent comment for Save Me was this. Quote, tat music from a tat band. Unquote. Cheap. Bad. If you're not familiar with the word tat. Yeah. Actually, it means something else too, but I'll let you look that up on your own. So cheap, bad, etc. all of those things. They are slamming this song so terribly and incredibly, ugh, just a, hor- a horrible critique all around, very rude, but there is a lot of praise for Save Me. Robin Smith of Record Mirror praised this along with most of the game as an album. Quote, Save Me finds Fred clinging to the rock of desperation once again, more plaintive vocals, more desperate soul searching. My, don't you just love it? Oh yes, in case you've forgotten, I like Queen, unquote. And Robin's comment, that last comment about in case you've forgotten, I like Queen, he opened the entire review for the game writing, I like Queen, I like Queen, I like Queen. And the reason he did that is because he's enjoyed the band since he first heard them years prior to this point. And he's celebrating them and saying, you know, they've come a long way, they've shifted, they've transitioned, but guess what? I still like Queen. (laughs) I love it. If I was a journalist back then in the entertainment industry, that probably would have been me. 
And fans far and wide love this song for its honesty, the aching sadness, because it's like they realize, oh my gosh, I'm not alone going through a tough time. I'm not alone. I haven't seen a bad comment from any fans about this. I don't see any listeners or fans saying, save me is bad. Save me is terrible. So despite what some publications, NME, might have to say about this, that it's trite, tat, whatever, I think by and large, people are all about this. They enjoy it. They love it. They love it because it's sad. It's tender. It's realistic. It bridges people together when you hear songs like this that are so incredibly moving and hard when you're going through something tough yourself. It's a supportive, it's a, a supportive experience to hear something like this in those moments. Especially, I think, coming from a rock band who many of us at this point, as a fan especially, you would be so familiar with their rock and stuff. This almost humanizes the band in a way. It takes them out of the stratosphere a little bit and back down to a relational level of the human psyche and the emotions that we all universally feel and that we're all unfortunately at a, at some point going to be subjected to. That's what this song does. That's why it's so beautiful. I've read comparisons to Love of My Life from fans who say, wow, this is, this is lyrically a little bit of an echo to that. And it's true. If you think about Love of My Life... Love of my life, you've hurt me, you know, don't leave me. There's so much echo, there's so much identical expression in both Save Me and Love of My Life. And it's funny, before I read that comment, I hadn't really thought about it myself. But there it is. Very, very true. If you look at the lyrics side by side, you're going to find those similarities. Even hard rock lovers. We Will Rock You, Dragon Attack, those are both Brian's songs. They enjoy this just as much, if not more. So many comments say this is Brian's best song. This is Brian's best composition in Queen, which I think says a lot. We're talking about a man who is on par with Freddie when it comes to contributions to the albums and the songs. We're talking about a man who, aside from one song on Queen 2, wrote the entire first half of that album. We're talking about a man who's written the Prophet song. We're talking about a man who's written this brilliant 39, good company, all of these innovative techniques that have brought us so much intrigue and interest in the arrangement and performance of these songs. Guitars that sound like sitars, all kinds of things that are so creative. And yet people will say, because of its incredible composition and its structure and its expression, this is Brian's best. I love it. And all music's current assessment calls this one of Queen's finest, most moving ballads. Cannot say there's anything to criticize with that statement. Brian and that gorgeous, classically tinged piano. It's soft, it's quiet, it's nearly pianissimo. These dynamics are lovely. I've talked about how current songs in this day and age are completely void of this kind of dynamic transition from verse to chorus or even verse 
link, pre-chorus, and then chorus, where there's a buildup, a crescendo of sound. I mentioned before Angel Olsen's All Mirrors and how wonderful that album is as a contemporary album that is incredibly dynamic. And if you're not careful and you turn up your volume too loud in your headphones, you're gonna get blasted out in the chorus because the verses are so soft. I love that. And it makes me wanna try more with my own music that way. But it's not just Brian's touch here that makes this so classical. It's the chords, it's the arrangement of it. The trills, the accent notes, he's not alone. Freddie and his glistening, reflective vocal. I clothe myself in your glory and your love. How I loved you, how I cried. Oh, just singing that, singing that. There's a pureness here. We don't have the edginess of dragon attack. We don't have that kind of expression anymore. This is all pure and soft and smooth, effortless. And there's another layer, an echo of Freddie, emphasizing the weight of that last phrase, how I cried, on the left, just slightly on the left, creates almost an illusion as if Freddie is echoing around you. Acoustic 12 string comes in. Brian, John on this incredible, delicate, moving life baseline. His performance is almost more dynamic and varied than even Freddie's as a vocalist. He hits that many notes and accents. And Brian's acoustic surrounds us, soaring, seeking, circling. The movement of these chords, everything swelling and rising. The years be lie, we lived a lie. I love you till I die. First, the lyrics here. How gorgeous these are. How sad. Incredibly affecting. Melancholy. And the way it resolves on that admission, the sadness and tragedy in that resolution is beautiful. It's beautiful, stunning, but the power comes. Save me, save me, save me. Can't face this life alone. The key change, that modulation, an immediate awakening of pleading, wailing, and I need you. And Roger appears in divinely loud, boomier drums and cymbals on every first and third beat. It's persistent. It emphasizes that need and that want, the necessity of love. Brian, Roger, Fred, we get them all in the backing harmonies. Those sweeping, ooh, they swell through the second phrase. Oh, and Brian's guitar, not to be forgotten, certainly not to be ignored. Power chords, depth and intensity to spare. John's always surprisingly interesting dynamic lines. That acoustic snapping, glittering on both sides. The movement of the chromatic arrangement, especially at the conclusion of that chorus. I'm naked and I'm far from home. So sad. Satisfyingly sad. Second verse, a fallback into the reality, the pain of letting go and moving on. And Freddie convinces us he's feeling this even if the song isn't his own story. 
To start again with somebody new Was it always dead, all that love? The end of this phrase and that electric guitar and the weight it carries. Very Baroque, that moment, like a march or a lament. Rogers fill, that roll into the next phrase. It's subtle, but so much character. Love that. It's worth noting Brian's piano that's moved into more expressive forte territory, more commanding. All the right notes emphasized, lingered on, and pounded out. This is that technique I've talked about with Brian and how wonderful his playing is. And the backing, ooh, such a rounded, beautiful touch behind the lyrics and the verse. And into the next chorus, so many fabulous things happening. I have no heart, I'm cold inside. I have no real intent. The loss in Freddie's voice, there's almost a crack there, and it's very appropriate. Brian's hardening, heavy piano, that rousing feel from Raj, and the next chorus places more emphasis on guitars, vocals across the board. Freddie pleads further, wailing louder as though his voice may break completely. I'm naked and I'm far from home. Another gorgeous transition into the bridge. And we get some stunning atmospheric synthesizers perfectly placed. Subtle. Just like Play the Game, the album opener. Absolutely perfect placement of these synthesizers. They're not overwhelming. They're tasteful. Brian's guitar chords here, that classical Baroque element, lyrical like an orchestra, like a voice all their own. Each night I cry, I still believe the lie, I love you till I die. Beautiful, beautiful work, that composition from Brian and Freddie's performance. I can't even imagine anyone else singing this so achingly, genuinely. Not like this, but take us home, Brian. His guitar, it yearns, it aches, it explodes, grittier, heavier, soaring, more piercing than before. One of my favorite solos from him right here, as brief as it is. And the backing vocals, wonderfully done. Yes, Sammy, Sammy. And Freddie coming in. Don't let me face my life alone. The syncopation here, the triplets, that intensity, the holding on. Dun, 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 dun. And as this concludes, there's a lovely sinking of vocals on the left, which doesn't immediately jump out at you, but it rounds out the expression so beautifully. Save me. I love the shape of that. It's soft against Freddie's longing tenderness. I'm naked and I'm far from home. His shift through that one phrase, just that one phrase, pleading intensity to reluctant acceptance. And Brian concludes it with a variation on that piano melody we've heard, the whole song. Da, 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 da. Oh, it's a beautiful resolution to this album. And it's interesting that we've had so much aggression at some moments and so much intensity, but we come back to these songs, these bookends that are touching and heartfelt and softer. 
Not necessarily in sound. They certainly have their bombastic moments and loud expression, but there's something about the intent behind them. The sentiment of the songs is much softer than things we've heard before. We don't have that chip on the shoulder. This is, uh, it's like you take my breath away. In a way, this song reminds me of that gorgeousness, that brilliance from Freddie and his fantastic performance. I love when the guys go here because it is vulnerable. It's wide open. I really respect and appreciate when an artist can present themselves in such a vulnerable position, but it's incredibly honest. It's really real. And you can feel it that much more because you suddenly realize I'm not alone. I've gone through this. This person understands me. It is a unifying, solidifying moment between people. And that's why this song is so beautiful. And I cannot believe I'm done with the game. <sighs> I'm sad. I'm sad. I, yeah, I still got to talk about who wowed me the most. I know who it is. I just got to tell you guys. But that's the next episode. Still, I'm done with the game. And we are going into albums. First of all, the next album is an entirely different thing than anything else we're ever going to talk about. And if you're familiar with Queen's discography, then you already know why. So I feel in a way, even though we're still, we're in the 80s here, we're going to stay in the 80s, obviously, I feel like we're moving past something and shifting forward into a transition that's going to be quite interesting in a way, of course. But this, we're done with the game. We're done with what might be Queen's most popular album in the United States, and we're shifting gears again. I got to confess something, actually. Here's the thing. I was going to do an entire episode about this because I was, I was hoping that I might actually get some ideas in speaking out loud about these thoughts and these frustrations because, and maybe it's just the transition of my life and things outside of my podcast episodes right now. I've actually been struggling to keep up with these lately. I, I don't know what it is. There was a time when I couldn't stop doing these and I was so excited and I was digging into the songs every single day and I was preparing for something. Every single day I would touch my materials for these Queen Deep Dives. Every single day. It was constantly on my mind. Not necessarily constantly in rotation. I listened to a lot of music, but I was always going back to the boys every single day. Oh, I gotta go back to that. I gotta go back to this. And it was fun. And, and, and I remember even just recently, there, there was some episode where I said, you know, gee, I, I thought this was going to get monotonous. And it hadn't. But you know what? I kind of have hit this wall where I feel like it's becoming more of a chore to do this. And I hate that because I love the boys. So is this a case of, okay, I need to change things up. Maybe this big radical change in the next album I'm going to review go through, not review, break down. <laughs> I suppose it's kind of a review. Maybe it's a good thing. That album is a very distinctive album in the rest of Queen's catalog. Maybe I need that. Maybe we all need that, right? But anyway, I just wanted to tell you guys that, that as much as I love doing this, and it is very satisfying, there are times where lately I have been struggling. And I think perhaps part of that is, I've said this before, my very favorite Queen albums are already done. 
I know that. I, 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 I don't think anything's going to shift so much as I go through these that I suddenly have an epiphany and go, oh, I love this album more than this one. You know, I, I just, I don't see that happening. There are songs that I will inevitably come to love more and respect more and all of that. But, but I, I just don't think anything in the 80s is going to eclipse the 70s for me. I just love 70s Queen, you guys. So my enthusiasm is not quite what it was for their earlier work. But I don't want that to interfere with. I don't want that to affect my Queen Deep Dives for you because everything is important. I, I will stand by my, my opinion, my statement that even if the guys changed with the trends and genres, their brilliance as a unit and as songwriters and as performers was always top tier and in some ways improved the older they got. But the sheer expression of the songs is in a different it appeals differently to me, depending on what it is. And I naturally gravitate toward the busy, loud, unapologetically overproduced, in-your-face earlier numbers of the 70s, not to mention some of those numbers from News of the World Jazz. I do appreciate some of their early innovations with things like funk. And I love when Brian goes down into folk territory. And I, I love and miss... Freddie's vaudeville numbers and music hall numbers. Ooh, la, what you do tonight, hey boy. Good old-fashioned lover boy. What a great tune. What a great song that is, you know? I love it. I love the enthusiasm. And maybe it's also Queen's attitude. Let's get real. Queen's attitude going from the late 70s into the 80s was shifting in a way, I think partially because fame changes you. Let's be honest. And the excess can do things to you. Brian has said that specifically, that the excess kind of poured out into every aspect of life. And perhaps... What was, his, what was his statement? Almost killed us all. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe he's right. So I, I, that kind of thing can't possibly not affect you on a very personal, very deep level. And maybe it did affect the songs in a way. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe the hunger of their earlier albums is what truly got me hooked. Because I can hear that on Queen 2, I can hear it so prominently in my face that these guys were like kids in a candy store because suddenly they had more access to a studio. They could do more of what they wanted to do. And so they were all in with the kitchen sink approach. Fantastic. Anyway, I'm digressing about it. I just had to get that off my chest. That I've been struggling a little bit to do these and keep up with what I hoped would be two or even three episodes a week. And I've been slacking but I promise I'm going to keep on. And it's not all bad. It just means I'll be doing this longer. And it just means <laughs> I'll get to enjoy this experience that much longer. Because once I'm done with Queen, I still don't know who I'm going to do next. Random deep dives will always be a thing. But what artist, you guys, what band should I focus on primarily? 
still a question left unanswered. Help me out. All right, guys, keep yourselves alive. I'll be back next time to tell you who I loved the most on the game, who blew me away. Not like they all don't, but the guy that I went to more often than not in my ears, I'll tell you who it was. Have a great rest of your day. Have a phenomenal rest of your day and a night to remember. Ah, cherish every moment, guys. Because once they're gone, they are gone. Enjoy it. I'll be back next time.